0: Interested in energetics, intention, alignment, integrity, and ethics? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Sacred Leadership Podcast. This space is for you to gain inspiration, wisdom, and knowledge from exceptional leaders to support you in your leadership journey. I'm your host, Amber Gordon, trained therapist and intention and alignment coach here to ask all the deep questions to get the raw truths. Settle in, take a breath, set your intention for what you're open to receiving from this episode because it is time to drop in. Welcome to this episode of the Sacred Leadership Podcast. Today I have a very, very special guest with me. I was actually connected with Mihal through Danielle, who I had on some earlier episodes. Uh, Mihal lives in Philadelphia, and we are both like Philly girls, although Mihal was not born and raised in Philly, which we will get into a little bit more of her story. Mihal Neistetter is a trained sex educator, professional matchmaker, super connector. And sex positive mama to her two kids. She holds a bachelor's degree from Penn State University and a master's of education in human sexuality from Widener University. After five plus years of helping clients find loving relationships, she has a PhD on dating. Born in Jerusalem, Michal is very active in Philadelphia's Jewish community and runs her own boutique matchmaking service in Philadelphia and focuses on people who identify as Jew-ish. She also works at a nonprofit as an in-house matchmaker. So you got lots of stuff going on, Michal, but... To start out our conversation today, for those of you who don't know me, Hall, I'd like you to just take a couple minutes and let the people know, like how you ended up doing this kind of thing, how you ended up here, in your own words. <laughs> like start from now and then work your
1: way backwards. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. First of all. Um, I remember what I told them when I did my job interview so many years ago, cause this was actually a job application that I saw online and they were like, okay, three reasons why you would make a good matchmaker. And I completely made it up. I said, number one, <laughs> number one, I'm an extrovert. Um, so even as a little girl, I, according to my mother, I used to walk up to people in the street and I would say, hi, I like you. What's your name? Um, So that was me as a three-year-old. And to be honest, that is me also as a (laughs) 38-year-old. And number two, I talked about how – I remember I talked about my own love story um, and how I met my husband and we had someone who connected us and how powerful that was for me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then number three, oh, my gosh, maybe I don't remember number three very well. um, But it could have had something to do with the fact that I was Jewish. Um, And so it's kind of in my ancestry – or it is, it is. It's a part of Jewish history to have a person who serves that role in your community. It's like an ancient art. And we're just sort of modernizing it now. Um, so yeah, so many, many years ago, not that many, it was five and a half years ago, maybe more. Actually, oh my God, it was six years ago, I saw this job posting um online. And it was like one of those moments where it feels like this like energetic shift or kismet or something. And it was like, Whoa, what is that? I could do that. And I applied and then I emailed them five hundred times until I got to say those answers in a job interview. So here I am, six years later, and um and now I know a lot more about what matchmaking is and what matchmaking isn't.
0: Mm. So can you share a little bit about what matchmaking is and what matchmaking isn't? Because I will say that before I was introduced to you, I obviously knew that matchmaking was a thing because I, like many people, have watched Millionaire Matchmaker over the years. And um, also being a relationship therapist had run into people who had used uh, matchmaking service as well. And I honestly didn't know that it's actually pretty prevalent in terms of something that people resource and something that people use, especially now that everyone's getting like super over swiping and dating apps. Um, So just to kind of break that down a little bit, like if somebody's like, okay, could I just, you know, anybody work with a matchmaker? Who are matchmakers for and what do they do?
1: Okay. That's a lot of questions, um, but I am I like. I myself am very fascinated by the matchmaking industry, even being within the industry myself, because it is filled with incredibly talented, hardworking, most often women. Uh, for whatever reason, that people come to them and they're like, "Yeah, it's fifty thousand dollars to work with me," or whatever. And it's just so incredibly powerful to see to see these businesswomen come alive and create something um, and work really hard on behalf of their clients. So the matchmaking industry, it's hard to like put it all into a nutshell because there's people who scale matchmaking. There's people who only do it online. There's people who do it the on-person way and like the price range can go all over the place. But really when it comes down to it, the idea is that you have a partner in the process of dating, right? Dating is incredibly hard And you are investing in someone else to get you the yeses. Mm. I think that that's what matchmaking is. I think you're investing in some help to get you yeses. Because if you think you're investing in someone who's going to go and hunt and then they find your soulmate in three months or six months or, you know, a year, I mean, that's impossibly unfair to put on any person. That being said, I have succeeded, (laughs) you know, I have... (laughs) I have found people their partner, but, you know, I I might have been a mere conduit, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like I – there was this one guy who had hired – the. I worked for a three-day rule, which is a company that scaled matchmaking all over the country. And it's incredible. And it was started by Talia Goldstein. And scaling matchmaking is incredibly difficult to do um, because it's so niche, because it's so niche and stuff like that. And obviously, technology helps you to scale it. Um, uh, but anyways, Talia is incredible. I was trained there. That's where I interviewed. And there was a guy who hired Three Day Roll a few times. And then he got to me. And I was like, okay, you know what? It's time. Let you know. Let's try it out with me. And I met with him in person. And he hired me. And then the same day, I met another girl through – a friend of hers that saw me in the newspaper. She, they were roommates or something like that. Um, so I met them both on the same day and he like hired me and I started his matchmaking about a month later because he did photography and stuff. Um, and I wrote to her and I was like, would you want to meet this guy? And she said, yes. And they like totally hit it off on their first date. It was funny. They both brought their dogs. It was really cute. And he bought he brought dog treats on the first date. And I was like, why are you trying to be a boyfriend? Even before, but she thought it was Lovely. Um, and they totally hit it off. And then by the time they got together in the pandemic and like moved in, I started to look at their history and I realized that I met them on the same day. Like I didn't realize it at the time. I only realized it once they were like really in love and he was writing me messages. He was like, Oh my God, you knocked it out of the ballpark. You found the Michelle to my Obama, <laughs> you know? So that I don't know. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah, crazy. That for I was gonna say,
0: like that, that's like like some magical serendipity stuff that that happens. And it sounds like this is actually more of a collaborative process, right? Like if you're working with a matchmaker, you're actually working with them to get the yeses that it's, again, it's not somebody just going out and like procuring you a harem of people to, you know, choose from that. it There's, um, discussion that happens before and after dates about like what worked what didn't why that is is that correct
1: oh 100% love is collaboration matchmaking is collaboration the matchmaking industry is collaboration collaboration that looks different in all of these different ways but you know if you view it as like a as not a collaborative process that's when i honestly see people fall flat on their face so what i like to do with with my clients, um, right now I'm working with uh, quite a few men, just happens to be that I'm working with quite a few men, and I love people who are really open to, like, the change and the growth process, um, and they might have a list of what they're looking for, you know, what they want, and I want to shift them a little bit towards, like, what they need. Um, that's always, like, there's a lot of matchmakers, like, secret agenda, you know, Trying to make people think not only of like their list of wants, but helping them like prioritize and tweak and look at their exes and shift them towards what they need. Because to be honest, how many people really know what they need? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know? Mm Mm-hmm. And and, like I'm still learning what I need. Like now I see with the partner that I have and we're 10 years in, like I'm like, oh, my God, I really did need somebody like this, you know? (laughs) Which you and I have talked about before, Amber. um, Mm Mm-hmm. Where was I going with my thought? What was the question? <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I I was talking about the the one C word that I've heard you use a lot, which is collaboration. But oh, kind yeah. of leading into that, the other piece that I see coming online as a little bit of a buzzword, if you will, with matchmaking is conscious and bringing oh, yeah. a lot of awareness into the process, which is where I felt like, you know, you might have been going with that, helping people to become more self-aware. Um.
1: I just want to be honest that when you say C word, my mind went to a different word.
0: And (laughs) it's okay. We have an explicit rating on this podcast. So you can say whatever you need to say. (laughs) Um,
1: But I would like to shift the C word to being conscious. And my truly what I've identified, you know, six years into matchmaking is I want it to be a more conscious process and to essentially deconstruct matchmaking. Mm. I think it's such a beautiful process where you can have somebody like holding your hand and waking you up a bit. What I find with a lot of people is they put together their dating profile and they put together their list of all the things that they want and like that's what they're speaking out into the universe without anyone really mirroring it to them of like, wow, that's what you that's the energy you want to put out there. That's Ooh. what you think girls want, like you think that selfie will work, or you really need a man who like is ambitious. Like, what is ambitious gonna get you at the end of the day? You know? Um so I just find that people honestly do a lot of unconscious searching and then they're probably going to meet someone who's unconscious. <laughs> that sounds weird, but you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and most people listening to this are also going to know what you mean. <laughs> okay. Okay. And you guys know what we mean when we say the C word, right? Okay. <laughs> um yeah. So honestly, the the workaround that I've identified is this the part of matchmaking that I love the most, even before you serve somebody up with a match, is like really working with them on who they are, who they authentically, mm. authentically are. Um, and some people want to hear that and some people don't. Um, but it's so crazy to me when I meet someone who – you know their profile that they're putting out on Hinge or whatever it is is like I love brunch and I love puppies and then a picture of them at an apple orchard and I'm like, but when I really get to know them, they're so much more interesting than that. And I'm like, you know, you come off as basic and you're not basic. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's re- and it's let's be honest, it's so hard to swipe because a lot of people, you know, you put on your. Dating goggles. That's Michelle Jacoby, who's a really great matchmaker in DC, coined that term. You know, like beer goggles. Oh, yeah. Ways. just a way that you are extremely, extremely judgmental. And is that your like? Are you consciously judgmental or unconsciously? You know, it can be coming from all different places.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think really it's. So interesting that that is such a part of matchmaking because as, you know, a therapist and a coach, when I'm working with people who are like, oh, like I just want to find my person or like I'm, you know... 35 and still single. And like, there's no good men out there, or there's no good women out there, or there's no good whoever you're interested in out there. And they've almost like cultivated this narrative of blocking themselves from being open to receiving something that would actually work for them, because there's actually a huge fear of what that might be like. And a lot of my work is helping people to work through that fear so that they're not unconsciously blocking themselves from being able to be open to what they need versus what they want. Because a lot of times those wants are what is getting in people's way. They could meet the most wonderful person on the face of the planet and they're like, yeah, but they're not Mm 6'2". They're not 6'2". And and to your point, like what is that going to get you? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is that going to get you at the end of the day? So how do you navigate that relationship with your clients when you're like, hey, can we kind of like take this a layer deeper? Can we kind of help you look at yourself a little bit? Do you find most people are willing to go there or not willing to go there? Um, Your questions touch on 5
1: million things at the same time. (laughs) So I just have to try to focus because I want to respond to everything. But um, I think the words that are probably going to come up a lot in the podcast today are fear, and love, and conscious, and consciousness. So really what is love? It's the removal of fears, right? You need to remove those fears. And I feel that a lot of my work is working with a lot of fear-based energy. When people create their list of what they want, you know, which is so unfortunate because they're seeking love and they want it so bad. And they come to me I don't really have a statistic for this, but like so often with tears, you know, when when I ask somebody, you know, why they haven't found the person, what do they think it is, like what has been blocking them, you know, a lot of emotion comes up because it's hard to be in this search. So what can I do? I think I just love people. That sounds so cheesy. And I know, I know. But it's because I want to get them to work through some fears and a lot of it is self-love and a lot of it is helping them think about their fears about dating certain types of people. Matchmakers will always say that like some of our best matches and our most successful clients are the people who really listened to us and were open to a match and said yes to something that they normally would say no to. Normally they say no to things. Based on fear. But I come in and I'm this unattached person, right? So matchmakers can do a lot of things. They can source singles out there in the world for you. They could go to parties and events. You know, I love doing that stuff too. Or like there's also matchmaking programs where you have somebody swiping for you, um, which honestly is really cool. Um, but at the end of the day, you have this person who's like really unattached from that fear-based energy doing this work with you, trying to get you on the path to love. And I think that that's waking up your consciousness if you are open to that process. Sadly, not everybody is. (laughs) Not everybody is open to making this a very conscious process because it's very difficult to do that because it's really like having a mirror on who you are, right? Um. Yeah, actually, Amber, can I ask you a question? Am I allowed to turn it to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, no one's done that <laughs> yeah. yet, but sure. <laughs> Why not? Um, I was chatting with a guy recently who just talked about how so many coaches and matchmakers really put this message out in the world about self-love. Um, and he has he has quite a bit of insecurity, and he's like 39, and he felt like a lot of like life has passed him by. Um, and he's just like, I think everybody you know, who wants to have a partnership, deserves a partnership. And this like, like this messaging of self love can almost be like toxic, you know, that you need to have so much self love and like feel like you're completely complete to meet someone. So what would you say to someone like that?
0: It's really interesting that you bring that up because I was actually just having a conversation with um another coach about, um so like while we're recording this, obviously, we're recording this before it's going to be released. But right now, um Miley Cyrus song is like really big right now, like the flowers, yeah, 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 right. So she's like, I can buy myself flowers. I can hold my own hand. like I can, you know, I can I can love me better than you can, kind of thing. And like, that is an amazing message for self love, but on the flip side of that, human beings are meant to exist in relationship, right? We thrive in community, we thrive in relationship, and so it's almost again where things have gone very extreme, and there's i i in particular have i can think of five of my clients who are incredible, they just happen to be female identifying. Incredible women who have successful jobs and they are, you know, like objectively very attractive people and they have financial security and they have all of this stuff together. And they're like, yep, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, I don't need anybody. They secretly very, very much want someone. Right. But it's kind of this energy of, I don't, I don't need anybody. And to those people, I always say, like, it's okay. Like, it's okay to say that you, don't necessarily need someone, but you want someone. It's okay to say that. And also you don't have to be completely healed or completely like in this place of complete unconditional love for yourself to be able to be in a healthy relationship. I -hmm. think a lot of healthy relationship is actually our ability to take self inventory and to be able to be responsible for our own shit. Like that's basically what it comes down to. That doesn't mean that like I don't get, you know, triggered sometimes with my partner, but like I know when I do and I know why I do. And I know that I can come and say like, Hey, this is what's going on for me. Like I need some space right now, or I need to talk through this. And he also knows that he can say, I can't talk through this with you right now. I need some space or, you know, vice versa. It doesn't mean that we're like, you know, completely healed self-love on lock individuals, but it does mean that we have the awareness to know what's our own shit that we're bringing in and the ability to have radical responsibility around our own self-regulation. And we're, we're not looking for the other person to make us feel whole or to dance around our triggers and walk on eggshells all the time. So we don't have to experience any discomfort. And so that's where I think like, if you're willing to allow another person to be a mirror for you and know that they're a healthy and safe mirror, that's really all you need to be able to go into seeking out relationship with someone else. Hmm.
1: Yes, there's um a really cool matchmaker based out of Sweden who talks about conscious matchmaking. And he talked to the matchmakers at a conference recently in Mexico. And he asked us like one question, one slide was like, what's the intention of your matchmaking business? Oh, good question. And it was like, what a good question. Um, And one thing that he also, his name is Lamarck. And Lamarck also said to us, how our relationship with our clients really models an attachment relationship Ooh. and I was like, gosh, that is such a cool thing to think about you know so when I talk about how I show up with a secure love with my clients um it's it's super important you know that I that I do that because I want to show them that, which also means that I have to be careful about who I take on as a client right because I want to show up as my authentic self and authentically love them too and help them grow. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. So anyways, it's all about connection. It's all about love. Um, And I know for me, something that, and I'm happy to say that I'm also one of your clients, Amber. So as you were talking, something that came up for me was that you and I had a conversation about who I am and who my partner is. And we have two small children and my husband is such a rock. Like he is very calm and grounded. And let me tell you, he is more of a no person and I am a yes person. Somebody invites me somewhere. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm going. I'm in. Is there dancing? Okay, let's go. And then like, I tell my husband about it and he was like, what time, where, when, and who's watching the children, you know? No. <laughs> and so the thing is that it's, absolutely incredible. You know, when people, let me tell you, when people come to me with a list of things they want, I want somebody who tries new things. I want this. I want that. You know, I'm so lucky that I have a husband who doesn't want to try all the new things because I want to try <laughs> all the new things. We would really screw some children up. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if I didn't have someone who's this like balance of logic and calm, you know, and this like super grounded person at home, oh, it's just, who knows what would happen. So I'm so glad for my children. And I'm not saying I'm a bad mother. It's just, this is the type of person that I am. And my, you know, I was set up with him um, by by this woman who saw me really clearly when I was living in Columbia. And she introduced me to someone who was so calm and so grounded. And when I first met him, I was like, oh, boring. <laughs> and now I'm like, and now I'm like, wow, what a learning lesson for me to be with someone like him, you know? So now 10 years later, now I like, and now that I have children, you know, I'm like, wow, this is what I need. It just ever, you know, it's something that I'm constantly learning mm-hmm. in this stage of life, you know, who knows what it's going to be like in, in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to realize all the other things that I need that he brings to the table. But all of these things take work, conscious, conscious, work (laughs) and involve a lot of coaching and support, you know, for people who want to
0: be in relationship consciously. If Mm -hmm. you don't want to be in
1: relationship consciously, then it's a different story.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because you had mentioned about, you know, helping people to show up as their authentic self. And I think that that truly is something that you either have a gift for helping someone see their authentic self or you don't. I really don't think that that's necessarily something that can be taught per se. Like yes, you can be taught with how to match people up and and things like that, but really like seeing into somebody I truly feel like that's like an innate gift. And that's where like, I know from working with you, that's like a gift that you possess, being able to really look into someone and see their true authentic self in a way that maybe they haven't actualized yet, or been able to realize for themselves to put out into the world. And a lot of people are projecting a version of themselves out there. And that's why they're really confused with who they're matching themselves up with, right? This is someone that's not working with a matchmaker because they're going based off of the projection of themselves and not who they really are. Mm-hmm. And this goes into a little bit of your other work because I know that you are so passionate about sex positivity. You're so po- like, passionate about working with NeuroSpicy people. And when you come across those people who – whether they're still living in that narrative or not have been told their whole life, like there's something wrong with you. You need to conform. You need to be like this. What advice do you give to the people who are feeling like there's nowhere that they fit in?
1: Wow. What a good question. Um, so, sometimes the way that you challenge me is like you, I mean – I think you see me very clearly so I have to just process what you said. Um I I think that in this day and age, we are over exposed to so many people and so many options. Mm. Shoot, I have four types of ketchup in my fridge, you know? <laughs> like there's just <laughs> so many things, you know, and as children, there's a lot of pressure to conform, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think when it comes to growing up, being an adult, I think that's when you really have to find your authenticity
0: Mm. so that you can
1: have a truly deep connection. Mm. Somebody said to me recently that uh, they said, your soul screams for authenticity. Um, So maybe it's that I'm this like, authentic seeker or whatever. Maybe I have this special radar for authenticity or maybe I demand it of people. Um, But I could tell you that I, you know, before the pandemic, like by February 2020, I remember I celebrated with a glass of champagne because I met with a thousand people for a cup of coffee in Philadelphia, you know, just to have this conversation. Who are you? What are you looking for? You know? And I was always, like, waiting in that hour, you know, where I'm going to find that, like, ounce of authenticity in them. Some people come and you just, like, feel it right away, right? You feel their energy. You feel you feel their authentic energy. And some people, it really would take me time to, like, search for it. Mm. But I could tell you that I picked up a lot of people on LinkedIn or apps or whatever it was, you know, and, like, I would see their profile and then I would meet them and I would be like, oh, my God, you are, like – this doesn't represent who you are. You know, this doesn't show your authenticity. You are this, this, and that. But sometimes people, yeah, they don't want to hear that. Like, okay, so I'll give you an example. Like I met a girl um, like a few months ago who's like young and a lawyer and she's, you know, high powered. it's her first job. It's a big deal for her and like she's not having success on apps. And I talked to her a little bit about her and her life and her parents. And she mentioned to me that she has a special needs sister. And I that's when I started to like dig in you know? And I was like, tell me about that. You know, I wanted to hear, um, like, I don't want to hear about your high power career. I want to hear about Mm. what really matters, you know, and how you were raised and stuff. And I was like, that's something that you could talk to someone about on a first date. That's something, I mean, maybe you don't feel comfortable putting it on your profile, but that's something that says a lot about how you, you know, how you were raised and how you claimed independence and, you know, Things that you whatever, in, in our conversation. And she was like, N O. She was like, there is no because she is so afraid that somebody would reject her based on that, you know, because at some point it's gonna be her responsibility with her sister. Oh, and she was wow. like, she was like, no, this is not, this is not going anywhere. I'm not talking about it on a date. Not gonna happen. It's like her super, it's like her shadow, right? Shout out to
0: Danielle, the shadow seeker. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I mean, I like. I I love that you, you, you come with so many stories because I really feel like that helps illustrate, you know, these different points that we're trying to convey. And that is very interesting to me because what you said about this is a part of her life. It's such a big part of her life. And also it's going to be a big part of her future And so I'm, like, sitting here thinking, well, like, I would want to know on that first date, like, yo, are you cool with this or are you not cool with this? Like, Are you somebody who uses
1: derogatory (laughs) words, you know, towards people with special needs or, you know?
0: Right. Like, or are you a compassionate person? Are you a person that puts family first? Like, like I would – that's, like, what I would prioritize if I knew that that was, like, a really big part of – My life. And so, but again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, fear like fear is this big block where, even though the rational part of this person's brain might know all of the things that we're saying, that fear of rejection is what is screaming the loudest. And so, we're not going to share anything about that because that potentially could lead us to rejection and rejection oftentimes for people feels like worse than death like they would pretty much go through anything in the world before having to experience rejection and that's such a big part of dating. matchmaking yep that's what I was like
1: it's such a big part of dating and it's one of the hardest hardest things about matchmaking really because i have to be on the front line of seeing who rejects who and why. And I don't make the rules here, you know, but I I, I see what what people go for and I see who rejects who and I can't unpack it all. (laughs) But yeah, it's really hard to witness that. Yeah. I I feel for her, but I did, I couldn't push too much in that conversation. Yeah. You you have to,
0: you know, and that's the thing is we have to have respect and we have to have consent and we have to know, you know, same thing for like coaching and therapy. Like I'm going to take people to, you know, the edge of where they're comfortable, but I'm not here to like push you off. Like that's a decision that you have to make for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also in part, part of being conscious on both sides, right? Because we talk about being trauma informed. We talk about making sure that we're not like, all right, well, look, Here, like Missy, like if you want to get yourself a match, you need to get the fuck over it. Like, you're not going to talk like that to your clients because you're coming with a lot of unconditional positive regard and a lot of compassion for them. And if that's like a spot that feels really tender, you're not going to tell them just to suck it up and get over it because that's their work to do, whether they want to or not.
1: Which, what I've been learning, I'm like my interest in people who are neurodivergent um is just it's just that I met a coach Jeremy Hamburg who just really like spoke to me um and through through his work and he just really wants someone to help people, you know, just try. Um and you asked me like what I would say to people who are neurospicy and what I have really seen with them is just so much trauma over being different, you know something that Jeremy talks about is how they can have a lot of superpowers, which superpower is a kind of a loaded word when we talk about people who have autism or neurodivergence, because it like, people tend to like, you know, oh my God, they're so smart at this. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, but he talks about how sometimes they're like, they could be like really truthful and that could be really freaking refreshing, you know? Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I would love to encourage people to embrace their superpowers, even if they were shamed for it growing up,
0: right mm-hmm. yeah, and that goes back to like authenticity, right, because if you if you really kind of like aren't capable right because of the way that your brain is set up, you're kind of not capable of being anything other than really authentic and really honest. In a way, you know, especially for someone like you who really seeks out people who are living so deeply in their truth, that is absolutely going to be someone that you're really going to enjoy working with because they are so themselves. And I think that's something that our society just like doesn't know what the heck to do with because we're all so preoccupied with how other people are going to perceive us. And a lot of times, especially when you know people have been able to claim their authenticity or, you know, are really unaware of social cues because that's not how their brain is set up. Most of society has no idea how to interact with them because it it is, it kind of brings out this piece of us where it's like, oh, how dare you like not care so much about what everyone else thinks? Like we're going to reject you in a way because you're just being so yourself like, oh, but it's because all of us kind of harbor this secret desire to be able to be you know, that honest or that outspoken or not have to like sugarcoat everything that we say because we're so worried about how other people are going to perceive it. So in that way, I agree Mm -hmm. with, like, the superpower thing. Like, I've always, like, loved that. Gosh, that that would
1: be a good match, actually, like, as you're talking about that. Because I think, like, different energies and different qualities in two different people is what will help people evolve. So when I think about someone who presents with that type of neurodivergence where they are very direct and honest and things are black and white, like, they would be so good with someone who lives in that, like, fear-based way to say what they really think,
0: you know? (laughs) Right. and that Amy Schumer is
1: like- really outspoken, though. So she's probably not a good example because, like, as she talks about how she, like, you know, gets dressed in front of her, you know, husband. She's like, do you like this dress? And he's like, you look fat, <laughs> you know. Um, so it could be hard. It could be hard to take it. But I don't know. I just I, – I'm, I'm really curious about what would make a good match. I'm actually running a speed dating event with Jeremy um, and my friend Danielle Salber, who's a Jewish matchmaker. We're going to be doing something, and we want to put a call out, you know, to – This one is going to be a hetero, you know, with guys who are neurodivergent and we're going to put a call out if like any girls want to join in for our speed dating event because it's, you know, we'll see. We got to
0: try it. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's also giving people, again, that ability to interact with what they need versus what they want um, is such a neat part of the work that you do. And, you know, also going back to a little bit more of that conversation about authenticity in terms of helping people to walk through the fear of rejection. So when you have someone that has gone on a date and they got – Girl, I'm going
1: to turn it on you. I'm going to turn it on you. Like
0: how do you you deal with rejection?
1: Is that what you're about to get at? Nope. That wasn't what I was about to get at. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Because <laughs> I would like to hear what you have to say about that. All right. Go I'll ahead. Answer,
0: I'll answer after you answer. Um, but, you know, if you have somebody that goes on a date and, you know, it doesn't go well, either like they felt like that person didn't like them or they didn't really like the other person, what questions are you asking them to help them also look at their part in it, right? Because – we went and we talked about people projecting a lot. Mm. And a lot of times what we're willing to reject in another person is because it reminds us of something we don't really like about ourselves. Um, And so I feel like that's kind of like the part where like matchmaking kind of overlaps with like therapy and coaching a little bit where you're helping people to have that, that conversation to reflect inward. Yeah,
1: Rejection. Um, Uh, I've I've set up, (laughs) I've probably set up thousands of dates and, you know, I'll always work on behalf of my client and give my client feedback, you know, and we'll tell them why they were rejected in certain instances. And like, I want to make some sort of blanket statement about why people reject other people and is it from a place of fear, but like people reject people for the so many reasons, you know. They go home and they googled their salary. They there was one little thing that they said about an ex. Okay, well, this is fair. Like uh, the you know he he said that woman he used the crazy word when he talked about woman. Don't mm. don't call woman crazy. She yeah. you know <laughs> some of those are, some of those are fair points of rejection. Mm-hmm. Um, You know they uh, you know they things about the way that a person paid the bill or something like that. Um, and then obviously there's like energetic things going on. My God, the I there are thousands of reasons why people reject someone else. Most often it's because there was no chemistry. And then um, a lot of matchmakers and, and Logan Yuri, who's this like awesome date coach and author, like just talk about chemistry and sparks all the time. And we're like, fuck the spark. <laughs> um, because people are searching for some like deep, shift the earth is going to move on a first date and it doesn't and then they reject them because they didn't get like hit over the head with whatever you know disney's lying to us so um it's it's hard to answer that question but Mm -hmm. how to deal with rejection doesn't matter if you're you know neurotypical or neurodivergent like rejection is so hard amber Mm Mm-hmm. Friendship rejection, relationship rejection, going on a date rejection. My God, this is why people stay alone and without relationships, because rejection is hard for anyone, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So they'll come to you and be I'm good. I have my career. I have my life. Whatever your clients yep. are saying to you, Amber, because yep. it's so much in some ways it's much easier to live in that way than to have to live with rejection.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard to seek out rejection, right? Because going into actively dating, you know that rejection is going to be a part of it. And every fiber of our being is like, let's not and say we did. You know, let's just kind <laughs> of like not do that thing because we as human beings very much equate rejection with death. Like that is how being rejected feels to us because we forget that not that long ago, we lived in communities like where you wanted to eat and have protection and shelter and water and clothing and all of these things. You had to rely on other people to get those things. You had to, it was not possible for you to hunt and maintain a shelter and do all the gathering and protect your village. And like you couldn't. And so, if the community that you lived in rejected you, guess what? You probably were going to die. Like mm. that was going to happen to you. And so, That's our what bodies, happens with dolphins? Dolphins, happen right now, yeah. <laughs> like, it's 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 a really real thing. Don't and don't
1: Google that. Don't don't, don't Google yeah. dolphins and suicide.
0: Yeah, it's, take you down. It's very don't sad. Do <laughs> don't do it. Although now I feel like we've like opened a whole thing for people and. This podcast is going to get canceled before it even gets off the ground. We're sorry, but it's because but- you use the C word, <laughs> <laughs> which is, stands for conscious connection, everyone. Just a reminder. <laughs> But, I mean, not to get too deep and dark, but really, like, biologically, like, we do equate rejection with death. Like, that is what happens for us biologically, physiologically. And so, yeah, it does feel that way. And I think this is where when we're experiencing rejection, it's so important to have a conversation with our body to be like, yo, I know that you feel like this is the end for us. You feel like this is death. You feel like we're doomed and we're going to live alone and die in a cave or whatever weird stuff's going on in your head. But like, is that actually realistic? No, it's not. You still get to go to the grocery store. You still get to go to your job. You still get to pay rent for your apartment. Like nothing truly bad is going to happen to you because this person didn't like you. You're going to be okay. The other thing is our brains are wired towards the negative, right? So if someone rejects us, we're like, oh, that's it. For the rest of my life, no one will find me attractive and I will die alone and this will be terrible. Okay. Yeah, that's... That could happen. But if you're willing to entertain that, you also have to be willing to entertain the opposite of that, which is the next date I go on is going to be like this person, then we're going to fall manly in love and I'm going to live happily ever after and have, you know, this giant family and live out, you know, the rest of my years on like a, you know, horse farm, whatever your dream is. But we're only willing to look at the negative extreme. We're not willing to look at the positive extreme. So I tell people all the time, like, if you're going to go there, at least balance it out. I'm not telling you to, like, live in Princess Fairyland where it's like, Aladdin's going to come and sweep me on my magic cart. That's fine. You don't have to believe that, but at least balance out your negative. And so that's where rejection, it's not going to feel great, but is it necessarily going to be something you need to avoid with every five of your being? No. Because at the end of the day, you're gonna be okay. Hmm. It's gonna take work.
1: Um, <laughs> it's gonna take work. I was just thinking as you were talking that like rejection is like the shadow of mm. dating. Mm. it is yeah. the shadow. Ooh, yeah, it's true it really is. Um, and then I was also thinking about how much you bring up death. Um, <laughs> you, that's another word you keep on bringing up on this podcast, but, uh, I did want to tell you, uh, on Tuesday I'm going to be running, um, cause I, I am like consulting with a Jewish nonprofit that's in Philadelphia and they kind of give us room to be really playful with creating events, which is so amazing. Um, I'm working with, um, Danielle Selber, and we call ourselves two Jewish matchmakers because um, we are both Jewish, Jewish. Um, and we met – I met a death doula at a networking event, and I was like, oh, you're cool. And then we, like, met up again, and I was like, well, it was kind of, we have good synergy. And then we were like, you know what? Death and dating. Let's do it. So that's what we're doing on Tuesday. We're doing a death and dating event. Uh, we curated a group of singles, and I don't have the answers yet. Feel free to brainstorm it with me right here. But like how are death and dating connected is the question I've been thinking about this whole week as we've been inviting its people. And they're like, whoa, wh- how did you come up with this idea? And I'm like, I don't know. We're just going for it. and <laughs> We're going to see what happens. And everybody's going to come together. And the doula is going to guide us um, in writing eulogies um, for ourselves.
0: Wow. That's so interesting. And that's sort of like I feel like the connection between – death and dating really is legacy, right? If we're thinking about that, we're thinking about like, if you're going to have people write a eulogy, that's like, what are you going to be remembered for? Um, And that what a beautiful way to actually start out a relationship, like nothing's going to tell you what's important to a person, like more than what they want to be remembered for. Truly, like that really gets down to the very basic point of somebody's life purpose. And
1: And a lot of people want to be remembered for it, not working overtime at work, but for the
0: connections that were in their lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's where maybe they get to imagine like, you know, was a grandmother of, you know, eight, eight grandkids and whatever. And so like for a person who doesn't have a partner yet, really being able to see that that is like a high value for them, that actually would also help provide the resilience to put yourself in situations where fear is really loud and rejection is really loud knowing that at the end of the day like this is something that is really really important to you and you know we all are going to leave this life at some point and if that's the non-negotiable then like yeah it's worth feeling a little bit of discomfort when it comes hmm. to fear and rejection.
1: Yeah and and that's that's why it's obviously triggering to meet a death doula, right? Because you are like, oh, oh my god, you know. Um, but it's dealing with the discomfort of death will help you work through some conversations that you need to have with your parents and things like that, right? Yeah, it's worth the money. True. I paid. I paid her. Um, so yeah. So you are saying that if you were single, you would come, Amber.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would absolutely come. I would, I would be extremely like, I would have so much anxiety like going to something yes. like that. Like I absolutely would. But I'm also somebody who I enjoy. You
1: absolutely would have anxiety over any event that involved being single. Let's make that clear. Mm-hmm. Everybody already comes in with so much anxiety, so I'm just layering in. The double anxiety. (laughs) And because they know Danielle and I, the other matchmaker, hopefully we like, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, that's the beauty of knowing us, Mm -hmm. right? Having somebody say, you're invited. This is invitation only. We're bringing together a group. Mm -hmm. So far we only got one angry email um, because it's triggering.
0: Yeah, it is. But that's also like, you know, it's so – cool to know that you're willing to put things out there. That might make people uncomfortable because I view discomfort as an opportunity for growth. And that's again, not to say that you're like, you know, being mean to your clients and, you know, being like, well, you know, Janie, you gotta get over yourself and like get your shit. That's different than inviting people to sit with their own discomfort. That's a very different thing. And I think the more that you're willing to curate events that offer that invitation for people to sit with things that make them uncomfortable, you're helping your clients to grow. And in that growth, they're going to know themselves even better. And mm-hmm. the better they know themselves, the better they're going to be able to find somebody that is going to be an authentic match for what they need, not what they want.
1: The, the more they're going to be magnetic to the right type of person, right? Mm-hmm. That That is what they need versus what they want. Um, yeah, I'm super inspired Right now, as I talk to you, that's like your, that's your, um,
0: that's about my middle, like magic sprinkle fairy dust.
1: <laughs> it really is. And can we just give a quick shout out? Because what happened was that I went to a networking event, a femme woman networking event, and someone listened to me and how I'm exploring what it is to have my own business because I left a big company. She just like listened to me and she was like, I know the person for you. And then I met you and I was like, you're hired. <laughs> it, was just that, it was just that easy because it felt so good for me to get matched. Because it's look, it's like a taste of my own medicine when someone can hear me, see me, hear my challenge and be like, you need to pay up and you need to invest in something for yourself and energetically shift, you know, use your money to like help shift yourself. So
0: yeah. But, a but I lot think of my- that's like so much of what you said. Before in terms of we show up for our clients the best, not only when like they're a good fit for us and. But also when we're a good fit for them, right? It goes both ways. Cause I know, you know, early in my career as like a therapist, like I was like, I need money. I have student loans. I will work with whoever wants to be a client. Like, come on. Anybody, and, anybody, anybody, please. Like I was like, I got a referral through psychology today. This is amazing. And like they were like not a good fit for me, like whatsoever, but I'm like, I'll make it work. Um, and that's actually like, kind of encouraged um, when you're beginning as a therapist, because that's kind of how you find the people that you're the best suited for and what you want to specialize in. So it's not to say I did anything wrong. But now that I'm later on in my career, I know who I work the best with. And I'm very honest about that. And I remember like when we went, I'm like, look, just so you know, like I am, I'm here for the people who are ready to like do the work. I'm here for the people who are ready to dive in. I'm never going to be like mean or nasty or push you past a place that doesn't feel consensually comfortable for you. However, like we're going to go in and we're going to go deep and I'm going to be really fucking honest with you. And you're like, cool. Cool. I like it. Like, let's go. And I was like, okay, cool. Somebody who is this excited about authenticity and honesty, yes. Like, that is the ideal client for me. And so then I get to bring my juice and my magic because we are a good match just in the same way when you have a client who's a good match for you, you get to really show up for them.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. My my messaging is similar to yours. You know, if you're – like, if you come to me and you feel – like what you're doing isn't working and you feel stuck in some way and you want some like positive light and energy and you want to start a freaking fire like that's when you come to me you know and we're not going to start a fire if you keep on saying no you know you got to you got to say yes to some things right um, so what I what I do now is like I work with people And I serve up connections that are going to help them like learn and grow. So like, you know, coaching and um, I have a CEO, my chief energy officer. I have them meet with a stylist, all these different things because dating is an inner outer experience. And Mm. so I'm so like pumped about that because I think like what I was saying to you before, like the, the pressure on a matchmaker, my God, it's like impossibly unfair, you know, to put like searching the love of your life on my shoulders. We search for dates, you know, we search for yeses. Okay, so what I really want to do is like get people to that first juicy spot, you know, to work on their magnetism and their energy and, you know, the blocks and stuff like that. Mm. Oh, it's so it's so exciting. And I am not for everyone. I'm not. Mm-mm. And everyone is not for me, and that's okay. And yes. there's like plenty of daters to go around, plenty of matchmakers to go around. And if you just want to use a dating app, that's totally fine. But please, like, either invest or use a friend to like help you with your dating profile. Um, please, 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 like, check check your dating profile. Make sure it, it screams like what is your authenticity. If it's just you holding a dead fish, it rubs oh some gosh, people the, the wrong way. Fish
0: pictures. Oh, the dead fish picture.
1: I don't mind it, but I know it rubs some people the wrong way. But I it's just, just don't like know so why there's token. so many of them.
0: Like, I just don't know because I've seen my friends' dating apps. Like, and when I was between relationships, I was on the dating apps. There was a, a lot of dead fish. Like, a, a lot of, of dead, dead fish. fish. I, just, I just don't understand what you're trying to communicate with the dead fish photos. I just – I don't. I mean, that, it will forever remain a mystery to me. It's
1: just you need to be, like, conscious and intentional with your dating profile. I don't, I don't know why that takes so much – I just don't – I don't, like, look – like, you're looking to give your heart out, right? That's, uh, aye, aye, aye. Well, okay, some people are looking for hookups. But I don't know if a dead fish gets you closer to that. But, okay, you did ask me about being sex positive. So here's, like, here's some words we could play with. Death positive, sex positive. Rejection positive is that possible? Dating positive, like I'm dating positive, but most people I meet, they come to me and they just like need to like, whew, like let it all out. They are dating negative, you know. Um, and the way that I view sex positivity, the way that I like to find it is like liking and, and, and viewing your own sexuality as a positive thing, something that you have agency over. And you know, drawing the comparison with dating, it's like sometimes people don't feel like they have maybe agency. In, in dating, you know, and I want to bring that back. Um, and then with sexuality, I think that it's so important to have agency over your sexuality. But like, honestly, a lot of the messaging that we receive from like, when we're a very smart child, small child is, is sex negative. Um, so it takes a lot of work, a lot of work to be a sex positive person. It's not like you just go to one workshop and watch one erotica thing. I don't know, you know, it takes a lot of work to work through these, these issues. And I personally want to encourage parents to have like really direct conversations and connection with their children starting from the age of zero, because we're sexual from the time we're before we're born, from the time we are in utero, penis having beings have erections, you know? Um, And there's some evidence for like vasocongestion. So we are sexual beings. And it's not so much about like having sex and pleasure thoughts, but it's, you know, our our sexuality is our biology. It's our gender. It's so many things. Anyways, I am sex positive and it would be so great if all of us were.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, I definitely wanted to be able to have a conversation with you specifically is because I view everything like so holistically, right? Like we are weird. There's so much that goes into us as human beings. And especially when we are looking for partnership in whatever form you're seeking it, there's a lot of layers there and we have to be willing to talk about all of them. I can't even tell you how many times I've seen an intake, especially for like couples therapy, that doesn't include anything about how their intimate sexual life is going, either individually with themselves or as a couple, it, mm. it, right? And like, wow, like we just we still can't talk about this. Like y'all are coming to to therapy. And we're still not going to be able to to talk about this. I will never forget. I was working with um, a couple and I'm going to say, I think they were like, yeah, in their like early 60s. And we were, I don't know, we were in like session eight, nine, like we were in it. And um, we finally got to the fact that they were having uh, issues in terms of their intimate life. And this woman who was, you know, again, in her mid 60s, she's just like, oh, so when uh he um oh god you know his Oh god penis and just like literally <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh like and I you know of course I'm like in my therapy role and I was like, We're all adults here, this is a safe space, like you can say it. Like you can na- anatomically name that body part, like you can do it. And she's like, I just I don't know if I can. I just can't say it. And I was like, Have you ever like said Said that? And she's like, No, I don't think I don't think that I have. And I was like, ooh, oh, okay, no wonder we're having
1: issues her. here, you know? That's good for her for saying it for the first oh, time. Oh yeah. But it was just,
0: it was a really I was like, wow, like this. And but that brings me back to my point where to me, like, if if I were to be working with a matchmaker, I would want to be working with somebody who can talk to me about all of the relationships, right? Including like my intimate relationship, including what I'm working like looking for and what i'm working on true in, in that because i feel like that's such and you a wouldn't pay. really want to be
1: shamed <laughs> you right. wouldn't want to be you shamed about like, you know if you i want to be
0: like look i i'm i'm here for like an open power exchange relationship with someone who's going to be totally fine with the fact that i am also a professional dominatrix like you would be the person that i would i would come to me hall oh thank you Right? And that's why <laughs> I'm like so I'm not much. just going to talk to any matchmaker on this show. It's going to be someone who really right. really I, there, gets all the things.
1: By the way, desperately searching for like who does poly matchmaking. Haven't really found that. I think look honestly, my my perception thus far is like in terms of like the poly world, the kink world, like matchmakers don't really need to be a part of that. Like you guys already are really good at negotiating things yourselves, <laughs> and like and Love finding that. special places in community because like a lot of it is community based, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need me. You don't need me to do that You don't need me me, because y'all are like really good communicators. Like did you read in the beginning of the pandemic how like so many of us were like learning how to like really have such strong conversations and like had so much to learn from like BDSM communities, you know, Uh, the level of communication, my God. Um, but yeah, like most of the matchmaking world, is like, you know, hetero and things like that. You mm-hmm. know, I happen to be sex positive and there's actually like some really good LGBTQ matchmakers, Kara at Three Day Rule, um, Tammy Shakely. There, uh, there's a lot of, now I want to shout them all out. There's Anthea in LA, Tony in Denver. Like there's a lot of cool LGBTQ matchmakers that are popping up. Um, obviously, people who are trans have a lot of, it's much more challenging for, for, for them to date because they don't fit neatly into any boxes mm-hmm. and Lord, you know, I love people who don't fit into boxes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I will say like when you're searching for a matchmaker, like it's, it's hard because like that, you know, some matchmakers maybe are, they're open to talking about sex, but they might espouse certain d- advice about, you know, when it's okay to have sex that I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with, you know? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, bias and- is totally, it's going to be present, right? So for the people who don't necessarily neatly fit into any boxes, how can people work with you? What do you have going on? How can people connect with you? I know that there's going to be a whole handful of Philly people who are going to listen to this podcast and be like, "Mihal, help me. <laughs> Hey, now. Um,
1: oh, it'd be so nice if you're in Philly. I'd be happy to meet with you for a cup of coffee. I do strategy sessions. It's like the most basic thing that I offer where I can like sit with you, find your like deep, true, authentic self and would love to like whatever, tears, joy, it doesn't matter. Find a way to be dating positive with you and look at your profile and rework it. I say it's two hours of my time because i like to have some quiet time and really sit with like, you know, my perception of the person and work on their profile. Um but yeah, I, I do that as like a very basic offering. So follow me on Instagram. It's Michal Matches, M-I-C-H-A-L. Um, or on TikTok, um, Jewish Matchmaker. That's an easy way to find me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could slide into my DMs. And then usually what people do is just sign up to be in a database. Like you could be in tons of Matchmaker databases. You know, mine is just one of them. But if you want to directly talk to me, you could like go into my database and you could also DM me. Um yeah, but depending on where you live, right? Because you could be on like, you could be on tons of matchmaker databases just to up your chances.
0: I'm just yeah. one of them. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I love that so much. And I really do encourage, like if you're thinking like, oh my gosh, like I, I really haven't been having any luck and I would love like a strategy session. Michal is just honestly, like you can, if you're listening to this, you can hear it in her voice. If you're looking at this, you can see it in her face, just such a beautiful energy and just so loving and compassionate. And I enjoy working with her so much. Um, Thanks, I have the Angel. pleasure of being able to like sit on the other side and give to you, but I know, you know, what you receive, you're also that giving to, Um, other people and I know that you are here and you are like rooting for love and I think that that is such a beautiful thing so I really appreciate you giving us your time your energy your intention and your message today thank you thanks (laughs) there you have it another episode of the sacred leadership podcast on the books I hope your time spent here served you and nourished you join us every Tuesday for more honest conversations and powerful insights remember exceptional leaders share the wealth Send this episode to someone who would benefit, leave a review to let others know about the show, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Talk to you soon.